It's good to be here with you this morning. And the, it, I think we, it's a little smoky in our church. We're not normally a smoke machine kind of church, but it looks a little hazy in here. Uh, it's a good morning, though, to be at church with you all. And we're continuing a series called Living in the Future, a study in the book of Mark. And the book of Mark is one of the books in the Bible that describes the time at which Jesus came as fully human and fully God to earth, lived as a human. God lived as a human on earth. It describes his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection back to life. And we're looking at the book of Mark and the story of Jesus' time on earth from the perspective of the disciples. And what it, those that were his closest friends, those that were the followers of Jesus, and the invitation that Jesus gave to them, how he said, hey, if you want to follow me, it actually looks like living your life differently. Instead of living your life in this present world like everyone else, I actually want you to live with a mindset focused on the future. Because often, from the Christian perspective, we look at the future and we go, God's promise that there's going to be a future with a new heaven and new earth where there's no more crying, no more tears, no more pain and suffering, and relationships are going to be good. Work is going to be good and life-giving instead of draining and exhausting. Our relationships with each other are just going to be full of joy and thankfulness. Can you imagine a family trip where there's not a single fight, not a single moment of tension, but instead it's just purely actually enjoying the relationship? And we look forward to that future, and we're like, oh, it's going to be so good someday when we die and we are with, in the new heaven and the new earth. We get to live in that future. But then Jesus came and said, actually, as a follower of me, I want you to be part of that future now. I'm bringing that future now. It's going to be completed later, but we're going to start bringing that now. And I want you to be a part of participating now already because anyone who wants to participate that, in that can in the future, but you can start now. So that's our series, Living the Future. And this morning... The title of our message is Practices Are for People. So let's pray before I jump into it. God, we are thankful to be here this morning, thankful that we get to take a moment in our week to really focus on hearing your voice, hearing what you're speaking to us, how you want to shape us, what you created us for, the relationship that you want to have with us, who you are. It's a great time to get to be formed uh, in our hearts and our minds and how we live our lives. Um, the smoke this morning, though, reminds us of how crazy, how stressful, how scary a lot of people's lives are right now with the fires across the country. We just want to lift them up to you, God. We pray that you would be present with those fighting the fires, um, trying to bring into control something that's very out of control. For those who are trying to figure out if they need to evacuate, those looking for somewhere to stay, we pray that you would be with them, that you would provide for them, and if there's anything that each one of us can do to be a part of helping those in need in this situation, that you would help us to see that and make the sacrifice to step into helping in this situation. In your name, amen. So this morning we're looking at practices are for people, and I thought about kind of a situation you end up in life is where... You're doing something, and sometimes there's a moment where somebody says, hey, this is all about you. There's times in life where you are doing something for somebody, and you're like, hey, this isn't, this isn't about me. This is all about you. I'm doing this for you. 
And sometimes that goes well and sometimes it doesn't. One of the times in my life that was all about you was uh, when I was living in Edmonton. And there, there's a band called Switchfoot. If you grew up in the Christian culture, remember like the surf rock band that was actually good music and also Christian, Switchfoot. And their lead singer did like this solo acoustic tour where he like, and he's just unreal, so good. And normally good musicians, they might go to Vancouver, maybe Calgary, but never Edmonton. And he had a tour date in Edmonton. I was like, unreal. This is so good. And I liked listening to the lead singer, John Foreman. My wife, Morgan, liked listening to him with me. Uh, I was like, you know what? For Christmas, I'm going to get her tickets to this John Foreman show. We're going to go together. She's going to love it. It's all about her. I gave it to her on Christmas Day, and she acted as if it was a good gift. She was nice in front of her family, didn't embarrass me. We go to the concert, but she's kind of honest with me. And as we go through this, I realize I was saying, this is all about you, that you want this concert. And I kind of knew that she didn't really care about concerts that much. But by the end of it, I realized as much as she liked the music, this was about me. And it was a little bit messed up. And we've all, there's all, so many situations in life where somebody's role, somebody's job is to make it about you, but it gets weird if they make it about themselves. Have you ever had a coach where they're supposed to be all about the athletes and all about the team? And then you start working with this coach and you realize all they want to do is make you good enough that they look good? Or you have a teacher and they're supposed to make it all about your education and your learning and your preparation for the work you're going to do. And then you realize that somehow they think their students reflect on them and they haven't, they're worried about their academic career and you're like, nobody cares, but okay. Or the worst is when, as a parent, you find that instead of parenting your children for their good, you start to parent your children to, for how they make you look. When they're having a meltdown in the mall or the grocery store and you go, okay, Am I going to parent my child for what's good for them, or is this about me? Is this all about you, or is this about how I look to everybody around me right now? And so there's these situations where we expect that the, that's all about you. It's not supposed to be about me. But then, but then when it comes to religion, it gets a little bit different. When you think of a higher spiritual power, whether it's the universe or karma or the great spirit, or Allah, or Jesus, whatever higher spiritual power you think of in religion, you kind of go, if there's a higher power over the whole universe, you expect that that higher power is like, I'm the biggest, most powerful, important thing in the universe, so everything in the universe is about me. If I create humans, I create humans for me. If I create this or that, it's all about what makes me happy and what I need. And it's easy to just assume that any higher power believes that. And so if we're followers of Jesus, then we go, okay, if Jesus is the God of the universe, then he probably, it's probably, he's probably like, hey, do this for me. Following Jesus is all about follow, doing what Jesus needs you to do for him. But that's one of the worst 
most destructive, powerful lies they can believe. To believe that God thinks it's all about him. That God wants it to all be about satisfying his needs. So that leads us into the book of Mark. In Mark chapter, we're going to be starting at Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And we left off last week. We were looking at Jesus calling Levi to be a follower of him. And Jesus saying to Levi, hey, you've been, you don't want a future, you don't want to just protect your future like one of the religious leaders. You don't want to just try to, you've been trying to create your own future on your own. And it's not working out that well. And Levi accepts the call to follow Jesus because he wants to be part of creating the future that Jesus is bringing and be empowered by him and be part of bringing that future, not just for Levi's life, but for the lives of those around him. And he accepts that future. So shortly after that, Jesus and the disciples are getting ready for the, it's the Sabbath day. Back then it was on a Saturday. Now we kind of practice Sabbath day on Sunday. And so it's this day of rest and focus on God. And so it's the Sabbath day. Let's jump in here at verse 23. One Sabbath day, one Sunday morning, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. Maybe they didn't eat enough breakfast, I'm not sure, but they were having a second breakfast. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? And the Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were the good Christians. So good Christians see these guys picking some grain, having a snack before church, and they're going, Hey, what are your followers doing, Jesus? Jesus, get your followers in line. Get your friends in line. They're working by picking some food on Sunday morning and eating it. And Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? And King David was a king of the nation of Israel. Now I'm getting rough on the math. I think 1,500 years before, a long time before. It was kind of respected as one of the guys that did the best job of following God. But there was a moment where, his, where he and his men were very hungry. And so Jesus is talking about that. He said, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God, the temple, and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, and here's the key part, the Sabbath, the the holy day of rest was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. And I'd, I'd widen this out a little bit more. The Sabbath, the practices of following Jesus, of following God, were made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of following Jesus. So that's a good moment. That's a good teaching. The disciples are like, oh, okay. That's an interesting perspective. But then it continues on. So then Jesus went into the synagogue, which was kind of our, their equivalent of a church at that time. So they go into church, and he notices a man with a deformed hand, a guy whose hand is not the right shape and does not look okay. And since it was the Sabbath, since it's Sunday, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. They're like, oh, you're really breaking the rules now. If you heal this guy's hand, if you work to do good, to heal this guy, 
on the Sabbath. Oh no, now you're in trouble. So Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, hey, come sneak out the back door with me. We're going to like kind of hide around the corner and I'll heal your hand. Don't tell anybody. Let's like, let's keep this low key. I don't want to get in trouble. No, no. Jesus says, come on, come up to the front. Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and he asked, does the law, do the practices of following God permit good deeds on the Sabbath, on the day of rest? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or destroy it? And they did not want to answer him. And he looked around at them angrily. It's funny because when you read the Bible, God doesn't normally get angry at the people that don't that aren't followers of him, that just don't get it. He gets angry at the people that are committed followers of him that then go, ah, uh, ah, uh, we're we don't really want to do this in the right way. So he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. And he said to them, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. And it's interesting because with every law, with every practice, there's the letter of the law and there's the spirit of the law. And the, the religious people the Pharisees, the good Christians, the people that were at church every Sunday that don't go away one week, day of the, go to their cabin at all. It's a good thing to go to your cabin and rest, by the way. I'm in full support of that. But the people that are like, oh, no, we have to be back for Sunday. They're like, hey, don't break the rules and do good on the holy day. We're too busy following the rules because God needs us to just follow the, these practices. That's what he needs from us. And Jesus comes at them and says, no. I did not create people to fulfill these practices because I just need you to do these practices. Instead, he says, I created these practices for your good. And so if something, so if pursuing the practice gets in the way of doing good, then pursuing the practice, doing the practice actually becomes evil. That's a weird thought. It's kind of an interesting thought. If doing this good practice, this good practice, this thing that is supposed to help you get to know God better, get to grow more like him, and live more as he created you to live, gets in the way of actually doing good, it suddenly becomes evil. But there's a way that I like to think about this that helps me kind of clarify this in my mind. Imagine that you're in a fire. I don't know what happened in your life, but you're in a fire, and the firefighter, and you find yourself like you're trapped under a beam, and you're just pinned under the beam, and at this point, for some reason, now you're calling 911. So you call 911. You're trapped under a beam. You can't get it off of you. You can't lift it. Everything's burning around you. You're scared to death. You call 911, and dispatch answers, and they're like, hey, yeah, so you at, today's a pick your firefighter day. We have two firefighters. You get to pick who comes. Don't know what's going on at the fire department, but this is what's happening. They're like, we've got one firefighter. Um, the first firefighter, option A, uh, this firefighter is actually the top-ranked firefighter in the province. He goes and works out at the gym 10 hours a day. He goes to every practice. He gets top marks every single time. All he does is train and practice to be the best firefighter he can possibly be. 
And you're like, oh, option A. I don't even need to hear about option B. Option A is what I want. The best firefighter. He practices so much. He's ready to go. You're like, okay, great. Um, he'll be there in about five hours. He's just got to finish his set at the gym, do some good recovery eating, read the manual a little bit more, and then he'll sneak you in. It better not take more than five minutes because he's got to get back to the next practice. He's practicing. He's doing all the work to be the best firefighter. He's reading his Bible. He's going to church. He's part of a community group. He's doing everything right to be the best firefighter. But he's so busy doing that, he's not available. So you're like, okay, what's option B? And they're like, well, option B, this guy loves firefighting. He is so in. Option B, he will be there right now. But I got to tell you, um, he's not been to a single practice. Um, he, uh, when he sees the gym, he turns around and drives the other way. Um, how much does that beam weigh? Yeah, 100 pounds, you think? Yeah, he, he, he could probably lift nothing over 20. Um, I don't know if you really want him. This is what we do as followers of Jesus. We get so excited about following Jesus. We're so excited about the future that he's calling us into. We're like, I am so in. I want to be the best follower of Jesus. But either we say, hey, I don't want to do the practices of my faith. I just want to go and help people. I just want to go help people. And we don't realize that the practices of our faith are what empower us to be more helpful than just another human helping. Our power as followers of Jesus comes from Jesus. And Jesus is saying, I'm giving you my spirit to live in you and work through you. Be close to me. Let me form you and empower you with the spiritual gifts so that people, instead of just being like, hey, you're a nice human, they go, you're more than a human. It seems like God is working through you in this situation. And so if we skip the practices, if we don't ever read our Bible, if we don't ever pray, if we don't ever spend time in the church community, if we don't let people push us and challenge us in the church community, we talked about what happens in community groups, how we teach each other, how we confess to each other, how we forgive each other, all that process that God does in us through the spiritual practices. If we never do that, then we're just another human trying to do God-level stuff at a human-level strength. And sometimes we fall into that. But oftentimes what happens is we start to love the practices. We love opening our Bible. We love spending time with church community. And we spend all of our time there. And we are the best. We are the strongest. We get the top marks. Everyone's like, they are such a good follower of Jesus. They're such a good Christian. And you look in the mirror and you flex and you're like, I've been hitting the gym. I'm swole. I've got the whole Bible memorized. I can recite it backwards. But then we're so busy doing the practices. We're so busy going to every church program, serving every Sunday morning, hanging out with our church friends, that we see we're with our church community daily. But not even once a month do we spend an hour or two hanging out with somebody that actually needs the help of Jesus, that actually doesn't have Jesus in their life and needs Jesus in their life. We're so busy hosting a community group that we never have our neighbors over for dinner. And I'm like, that's a crazy idea. Like, that's not what we do in Canada. 
But you see what Levi did last week, where as soon as he starts following Jesus, he's like, guys, you guys need to hang out with Jesus. I'm having you all over for dinner. If we love our neighbors, if we actually want to help those in need, we've got to say, okay, the gym can wait till later. My community group, my church friends can wait till later. I'm going to make time to spend an hour with somebody that doesn't have Jesus in their life who needs him. And that's the challenge that we have. Even as a church, as a pastor, I always want to do more programs. I want to do more Bible studies. I want to do more alphas. I want to do more everything. But we have to say, actually, no, we don't want you in this church building more than once or two or three times a week. Because if you spend all your time in this church building, you're not spending any time with your friends from work or your kids' friends' parents. Where you got to have the time to just say, hey, you're picking up your kid from my place. Hang out and let's chat for a few minutes. How's life going? And spend time with them. And it's crazy to me that Jesus looked at the good religious leaders, the ones that practiced the religion perfectly, and he looked at them and he said, if practicing following me gets in the way of actually helping people, it's evil. If, you're spe- if spending time following Jesus takes you away from actually helping the people that need Jesus, being at church on Sunday can become evil. Reading your Bible can become evil. Morgan and I had to talk about this at one point because I feel responsible to come home after work to my family and help out. And that's just part of being a good dad and being supportive and taking care of them. But if I'm driving home from work and I see somebody on the side of the road that looks like they might need help, and I don't know what's going on with them, but they might need help, and it might take two minutes to just say, hey, you all good? And they're like, oh, yeah. Or they might actually be in crisis and need an hour of help. Do I stop? Do I let it interrupt the good in my life for where somebody actually needs help? And we had, yeah, we're going to make that sacrifice. Like try to call Morgan and let her know that I'm not going to be home for an hour, but it's worth it. And every part of our life, we have to make that choice. Because the process of following Jesus was created for us to help people. It wasn't because God's like, oh, you need to do this process because I just need it. For our church, I just imagine for Cedar Valley Church what that means. I believe that if we make the practices of following Jesus, if we practice following Jesus for the sake of meeting the needs of people and not view ourselves as people who need to meet the requirements of following Jesus, then I see that this church and this community 20 years from now, we're going to be defined by, we're going to be known by bringing the goodness of God, his help, not the help of humans, the help of God into the lives of every single person in our neighborhood here. And by doing good through our faith and rejecting any evil church practice that stops us from doing good, saying no to a Bible study for the sake of helping people, saying no to whatever it is, saying, hey, I'm sorry I'm late to this. I actually need to help someone. 
I think that's going to change the future of our church. I think that's going to make us a church where people look in from the outside and they'll go, oh, those are good church people that just do good church people stuff. They go, those are people that just keep showing up in our community and they help, but they don't help like humans help. They help with the spiritual power behind them that we don't get, but we want to know about. So I'd encourage you, I challenge you, as you live, as you think about this, take some time to think about this today. Think about what are some of the needs that God has placed in the life of people around me? Who are some people that need help? Who is the person with the deformed hand that needs help? And you're saying, hey, I'm at church. It's a day of rest. I'll help you on Monday. Is it friends? Is it family? Is it a coworker? Is it a relative? Is it somebody that you don't even know yet, but you keep seeing around you and you need to slow down and actually get to know them? And how can you make the space in your life to say, I'm going to hit pause on whatever good thing I'm doing because if I keep doing that good thing, it's actually an evil thing if I'm not helping the person that got put around me. I think when we, as we do that more and more in our lives, we start to bring the future that God's created us for now. Instead of waiting for when we die and we go to heaven, we actually start to bring some of the goodness of heaven into people's lives now, and not just for us, but for those around us. I'm excited about that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up and get ready for our closing song as I pray to wrap this up. God, we love you so much. We love following you. We've experienced your goodness in our lives. We've experienced your healing. You're bringing life into our lives as we follow you. And sometimes we get so excited about the life that you bring to us that we just want to commit ourselves to every single thing we can do to know you more and follow you more. But I pray that we'd be people that practice our faith, practice following you, growing in our faith. I pray that we'd be people that do that, not just to try to please you somehow, but that we do that for the sake of being ready to help those who need you. They'd be hitting the gym to be ready to go rescue people. That we keep our priorities straight and we keep our view of you straight, God. That we know that doesn't matter whether we follow you or not, that, never ch- that won't change how much you love us. You love us wherever we are at with you. You value us the same way, whether we're a follower you or not. But you say, because I love you, I want you to follow me. And as you follow me, to help others and bring them along. I pray that our church would be a church that is always ready to hit pause and help whoever needs help. And not with human ability, but with your ability, God. We give this to you in your name. Amen.